Jesus. Church, every dedication, you already know this if you've been around here. I tell everybody uh, the story of when I was just a boy and I was walking out the back of the church and Vincent Palmer was our greeter. He stood at the back door and one day he shook my hand and told me I had a handshake of a preacher. I was 12 years old and I thought the guy was nuts and weird and why would he say that to me? Later in my life, as God called me in the ministry and did the things that he did, he gave me a moment where I saw that thing happening in my life. And it was <laughs> crazy how God does that. So I'm telling you that, you know, you have an opportunity to do something spiritually amazing in the lives of every child around you. But today we're dedicating these kids. And I'm going to ask you, church, if you would stand with the family and ask God to use you in any way that he can to make an impact on the lives of those that God has around you and available to you. And so we're going to do this first with the, we're going to start with Luna. I just said her first name because I can do that one easy. <laughs> this is her mother, Liz, by the way. Sorry, I didn't say that in the beginning. Okay, little baby, I'm going to anoint you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God, we just lift Luna up to you. God, you have her and you know everything about her. God, what we ask is that your will and your plans for her life would be lived out to the fullest, that when she comes to the understanding of her need of you, that she would naturally turn to you and that she would be used for your glory and for your kingdom and that, Lord, you'd protect her. Let her be a mighty warrior for the kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> This is Angela and Andrew, by the way. Sorry, I didn't say your names either as you came up. I apologize. Hi, sweetheart. I'm going to touch you, okay? Which one's Novin? Which one's Remington? Okay, good deal. Sorry, I didn't look at that ahead of time. I'm going to just touch you on the head, okay, babe? Right there, that's all. Father, right now, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we dedicate Nova and Remington to you. And Lord, what we ask is for your protective hand to be over them throughout their lives. And that, God, that you would give them the ability to understand and discern you all the days of their life. That they would naturally turn to you when they come to that moment of truth. And that they would be warriors for the kingdom. God, you know what's coming in the future. You know all things. And so we pray that you would use these children to set a course for Jesus. And that they would be a flaming torch for your glory and for your honor. And that you'd use them for the glory of God, for the kingdom of heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I got a little dedication uh, certificate and a Bible, a little baby Bible for you. I believe I have those separated right. If you end up with somebody else's, you know each other. <laughs> Thank you, and God bless you. Give me a hand, church. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they got out of service early in the last service, and maybe some of your friends told you that, but that was the other service. So anyway, no, <laughs> totally kidding. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week reading or listening to God's word? If you did, say yes. Awesome. Did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda? All right. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Did you invite someone to church with you today? All right. So... 
We need to step into that. So all those accountability questions that we ask every single week is to challenge us to live the Christian faith because we're not asking you to do anything. God doesn't already ask you. And it's part of the word of God. It's part of the life that we live and what we are called to be as warriors for the kingdom. So first off, uh, before I read the first scriptures that we're going to talk about, my wife and I and our family want to say thank you for praying for us and for our son. We're blessed to have Dave and Christy and Hunter and Celine with us today. Uh, Dave is our oldest son, and he's the one that we were asking prayer for this week on the different app things and stuff, and we're trusting God. I, I love the fact that God has everything in order and plan, and so that we had the baptism and the dedications today. So Dave being my uh, namesake and our oldest son, I can remember when um, Kim told me that we were going to have a baby, and I remember looking in the mirror and being petrified and saying, God, I mean, I'm a kid myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. Thankfully, Kim and I had given our lives to Christ, and we were serving him as we were walking together in this journey. And I can remember the day that we dedicated him, and I remember laying him in my lap, and he would fit right here. He was nine pounds and seven ounces when he was born, and I remember having him right there in my lap and looking at him, and then I remember I turned around, and it was graduation day, <laughs> and he was too big, and I had to sit in his lap because <laughs> he was bigger than me, and I mean, it's like it was just like that as we turned around, and there it was. And God bless us with two other boys, and now the family has increased, and we walk this journey together. And as we have given them to the Lord, we continue to pray for our kids and family and all of those around us that God has blessed us to pray for and asking him to take us through this journey together. And so when you come to moments where, you know, your son and your child, whoever it may be, your spouse, uh, you know, calls you and says, you know, the doctor says we have cancer and all that, and you're looking at that, God brings you right to this moment where you're like, you gave him to me, remember? Remember that dedication where you realized that you had no control of anything and that you had given him to me and that you surrender? God reminds us of that surrender moment where he's like, is he mine? Yes, Lord. Well, I take care of him regardless. Yes, Lord. And so it's like he brings that peace that only the Holy Spirit can bring to you in the midst of a storm. And as we've walked down this last week and dealing with those different things and we're still like unknown and a lot of stuff going on in front of us, it's like, you know, what do people do that don't have Jesus, man? It's no wonder they turn to drugs and alcohol and sex and all this other garbage out there in the world because they're trying to numb themselves to what they have no control over and they're trying to fix their problems. And the only one that can do that is Jesus. And I'm like, oh Lord, I'm so grateful. I am so grateful that I have you. <laughs> I have a hope. I have an assurance. I know God. I know who he is, and I know what he does, and I fully trust him. And that is like the greatest gift you could ever have in your life, church. Every one of you listening to me right now, if you do not know God personally through Jesus Christ, then you need to surrender to him because you will never know peace without him. And there will be no hope and no answers in your life without him. You'll continue to chase one mirage after another trying to find the answer. And there is only one answer. It's Jesus Christ. And he's amazing. And I love him. I'm so grateful for him. 
And as we walk together today, we looked last Sunday at Pentecost, the day of the birthday of the church, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and how he works in our lives. God is so amazing. The fulfillment of the promise that Jesus gave, the fulfillment of the promise that God the Father would send. And I look into the word of God with you this morning. It's so amazing that God promised that the Holy Spirit would dwell in us and that he'd be with us. Church, I want you to know that I, um, as I've walked with God through these years and done my studies, by the way, thank you for praying for me. There was a little problem in my doctorate issues and doing my dissertation and all that. And uh, I am cleared and good to go and going to be defending my dissertation this month. So I'm like super excited. And thank you for your prayers to put that behind us. So yeah, it's awesome. And if you don't know what that is, it's okay. Don't even worry about it. It doesn't mean anything. I just want you all to know I appreciate you. But this is the thing. I've walked many years, and you think, what in the world? He's just getting out of school. Yeah, it's pretty rough. You know, I've been held back a few times. Anyway, so, no, the truth is, is that as I've studied God's Word, and I've went through the, the undergraduate studies, the seminary studies, still going through it, I want you to know that in the, all of the institutions of higher learning, even in the Christian realm, uh, they don't know the Holy Spirit like they need to. They don't. Everything's so bent towards the intellectual and the mind and the understanding of things and reading books instead of the Bible. I mean, not that they don't tell you to read the Bible, but there's so many other books, and it's like, man... If we would just dwell upon and read God's word and understand that the Holy Spirit is a revealer of truth, we could transform the church today. God could transform the church today because we'd stop trying to figure it out ourselves and let God be God and he'd do it. And that's what we need more than anything. You know, the reason I would share all that is because we're talking about the Holy Spirit today. And I always say this statement that came to my mind as we were going through some studies the Holy Spirit is always mentioned. I mean, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? I mean, everybody says that. And so when you go through an educational learning uh, institution of any kind, when you're studying God's Word of being in a Christian university, they'll talk to you all about the Father because we can identify Him and tell you what the Bible says about God the Father. We can talk about Jesus the Son. And we can identify all that. And then it's the Holy Spirit. And He's talked about in this little bit of a paragraph or an asterisk at the bottom of the page. So the Holy Spirit is talked about, but institutionally, intellectually, he's very difficult to kind of put into a context. Why? Because it's the mystical aspect of who God is. It's the Spirit. And so first off, in our culture in the United States of America, we are not um, all that spiritual, even though we, we talk about it. But we're ignorant of the spirit world around us, and we're ignorant of the Spirit of God. And we need a stirring and awakening to the true spirit of God, stirring in our hearts and moving in the church. And until that happens, there's no hope for our country. There's no hope for the world. The only way anything is going to change is by the Holy Spirit moving in the hearts of believers and believers moving in obedience to the Holy Spirit. That's when God can be God and do what he wants to do. We're not going to save this nation any other way, church. We've got to stop looking for answers outside of Jesus. There are none. Now, as we look at God's word, I want to read to you what John 14, Jesus is teaching, and this is what Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So I have a whole lot of people that tell me, oh, I love God, I love Jesus. As soon as they find out I'm a, a pastor, they're like, well, I love God, I just don't go to church. It's like, well, 
I'm just going to say one thing to you. If you love him, he says you're going to do what he says, and he says you're supposed to go to church. Well, I don't like organized religion. I said, well, you should come to our church. We're not very organized. <laughs> and there's other ones that say, you know, if I walk in the door, the ceiling's going to collapse. I said, would you come? We need a new roof. <laughs> if you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus is saying you've got to live a life of obedience to God if you really love him. This isn't like something where I know God's up there, he's the big man upstairs, or I ever this, me and him got this thing. No, Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. There's an obedience aspect that God has called us to. So now Jesus in his teaching says this, if you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Isn't that awesome? Now, you see how valuable and how important it is to have the Holy Spirit, to discern that it is him and what he's saying, because he's leading us into truth. The reason why people are so misled and falling into false teachings and false truths is because they're not following the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit himself will always affirm God's truth, and he will always convict when it's not. This is why it's vital for you and I to know the Holy Spirit and know that he lives in us and that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that allows this transformational work of God to take place in our lives. Church, as we look in the word, it says he is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. So now as Jesus gives this teaching, he's telling us first and more, foremost, there's got to be a life of obedience, but the Holy Spirit himself is coming. So this was before Pentecost. Jesus is saying God's going to do something amazing. The Spirit is going to come, and he's going to lead you into all truth. Now the word that Jesus used there when he said you're going to have him come is the advocate. When you look into the Greek, that means a helper, an aid. We know that I, I told him in the last service, I'm going to say it again here. Now, don't say amen or poke anybody or clap or anything, but some of y'all have needed an advocate because you had to go to court. And you were standing before a judge, and you were assigned an advocate. A lawyer is what we call him today. We don't like that word. So what we're going to talk about is what God says about this. He says that the Holy Spirit is the advocate. So the advocate is the one who comes alongside and is an aid and an assist and will help you and plead your cause. They will be there for you and take you through and get you through that that is the most difficult place in your life. He's going to guide you. So Jesus said, I'm going to send you the advocate, the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you do this. See, church, the only way you and I can live in obedience to what God says is by the Holy Spirit being our advocate and leading and guiding us in our life. You can't do it on your own. So as we look at the advocate, the Holy Spirit coming, it is so important for you and I to understand we have to have him. Now in Ephesians chapter 1, we read these scriptures. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now before we go any further, I'm going to pause in that scripture right there. As we look in the word of God, it says this, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand, right? So the Holy Spirit is flooding our hearts with that light 
for the understanding of the hope of Jesus Christ to give us confidence in our walk with God so that we can live as God has called us to live in the obedience to what God's word teaches. So it all goes together. It's so important for us to get this because as we're maturing from infants in faith to Christ-likeness and going on this journey together, it has to do with this spirit of God enlightening our hearts and revealing who God is and what he wants from us. Now, the word of God teaches us that there are false spirits and we don't want to give any place to those and the devil himself will lie to us and mislead us and take us down in the wrong directions. The Holy Spirit himself will never contradict the word of God. He will not lead you astray. You need to stay focused on what God's word says. That's why we ask, are you spending time in there? And the Holy Spirit himself will affirm the truth because Jesus said he would. We already read that. So we're praying that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Do you understand that God himself in his word says that you that follow him are holy people? Do you know how you're holy? Because you're filled with the holy God himself and he is the Holy Spirit. And when you're living in obedience to that Holy Spirit, you are holy and obedient to God and he sees you that way. See, this is why it's so important for you and I to walk in obedience to God because that is the way that God sees us holy. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Church, I am 100% convinced, and I have been for years, that myself and the church that I've been a part of, and I'm not talking about just this one, CFF, but I'm saying the New Testament Christian church, we have not tapped into the power of God that is available to us. No way, man. I look at that and it's like, man, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Do you understand that? I mean, that's crazy. This is the God of the universe who spoke things into existence, breathed, and we became a living soul. It's that God. It's that kind of power that he possesses. And we're like struggling with the fact that maybe he can do something about my issue. I'm talking about Christian people. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about us. As we struggle to believe, God, I give you this, and I'm just hoping that you'll do something about it, and I pray that you will. I'm really not knowing that you will or believe that you can, because I don't think you'll do it for me. And he's like, wait a minute. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you understand? God's given us a glimpse and saying, this is the kind of power I have and this is the kind of power that's available to you. That means nothing. Nothing out there can come against me. I'm God. And then I go back to myself and I'm like, man, God, I am like, I have got to get a remake on what's going on up here. Sorry, I just bumped my head. I have a cut there if you're wondering what happened there. It's all good. Wake me up a little bit. This is the same power that God gives to us. The power that raised Christ from the grave is now living inside of us in the form of the Holy Spirit. That's crazy power, man. Now listen to what it says as we continue to read this. The power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but the world to come. Before I read anything else, church, I am like tired of Christian people being fearful about what's happening in the world around us. 
Look, man, God's word tells us right here. Jesus Christ is the authority and power above all things. Everything. China's not a world power that God's afraid of. Russia's not a world power that God's afraid of. The United States is not a world power that God's afraid of. He is above all things. And we need to put our trust in him and not worry about any of this other little stuff that's going on. Because God's word tells us that he is going to do what God and God alone can do. And he's got this. We in the church should be so calm, so trusting, so standing on the truth of who God is and sharing Jesus because he's the hope of the world. And God already told us this place is going to burn. Right? Come on, man. This place is not going to be eternal. I tell every Jehovah's Witness that knocks at my door that same thing because they think they're going to be here, you know, only 144. If you don't know this, they think only 144,000 are going to heaven. The rest of them are going to live here on the earth. I said, what do you do with that verse that says that God's going to burn this place? I think that's hell, and I don't want to be there. So I'm going to go and be with Jesus, like he said. God's making a place for me. So anyway, we'll just leave that on the side. Uh, again, go back to God's word. God's word is truth. It's amazing, church. Just to stay in the truth of God's word, and you won't get misled by false teachings. Man. Now, he is a far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So, I mean this in a really good way. Shouldn't we like be a little bit spiritually cocky? You know, I'm not talking about arrogant himself. I'm saying, look what just was told to us. The creator of the universe is like, I got everything. I've got all the power. You're mine. Here's one of the benefits you get for being my kids. I'm it. Like, hello. Like, I want to wear that shirt. I'm, I'm his. There I am. I've got all this, and God has given it. Back years ago, you know, when, not that many years ago, but today, like, never mind. Let's do it this way. When you were looking for a job, okay, let's do it like this. So I know when I get married to my wife that I needed a job with benefits, right? Because I need to take care of her. Before that, I didn't care about me. I just like, just give me money to spend. I don't care about the benefits. You know what I mean? But then all of a sudden you have this, oh, I'm going to have someone to take care of and we're going to have kids and so I need benefits. So I don't mean just an hourly wage. I want to know what comes with that. Right? So we're looking at the big picture, not just the one thing, but the whole thing. Yep. And so I'm looking at this verse and I'm like, you know what? It's so cool, God. You have salvation in Jesus Christ and then there's the benefits. Amen. God's like, man, you got way more coming to you than just, and I don't mean that in a light way, this relationship through Jesus Christ, but there's benefits to this thing that go far beyond what you could ever comprehend. This is the eternal God we're talking about. And he's the one that we have a relationship with, and we're his family. He tells us we're his joint heirs with Christ. We are God's kids. Come on, man. Like, I, that's why I'm saying we have not tapped into that power. No way. Absolutely not. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So when people find out I'm the pastor, you know, and they don't go to church, and I'm like, well, you know, you got to be part of the body of Christ, and I'm not sure if you read this in the Bible, but the church is the body of Christ, and therefore you need to be part of the church. 
not doing your own thing, and no, the woods is not a church. No, you can go worship God there, no. But you still have to be part of a church. You have to be part of the body of Christ. And that's what the church is. So deal with it. I mean, seriously, like make all the excuses you want. You're going to answer God, and I think he knows a little more than you do. So we should probably line up to what he says instead. All right. The word of God said your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand. So this Holy Spirit just reveals this truth to us. Our maturity in walking with the Lord is tied directly to us growing in our spiritual understanding of the Holy Spirit's revelations to our heart. So it's that prompting of the Spirit to act in obedience to what God is saying in the moment. We must know the Holy Spirit's prompting inside of us because God's Word says this is critical to you and I having that relationship and growing with Him, right? I mean, it's, we were just reading in the Scriptures. Now, as we step forward then, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would be the Spirit of truth. So I'm going to look at some things here that I went through the Scriptures and finding everything that... Not everything. I'm just going to give you a short little list of the Holy Spirit and what it says in the Word of God about Him to us. And so as we look in the Word right here, it said that he, He's not only would be the Spirit of truth, but He would be our helper. You're never going to make it on your own. We can't. Remember when we read the Bible and we read the Scriptures, God says He gave the law to show that we couldn't live right. So we need a helper, and that's the Holy Spirit, because the only way we're ever going to live right is by a transformation and change in us, because we can't live religious enough for God. So the Holy Spirit is here to reveal truth to us. He's our helper, that he would testify of Jesus. He is the gift from God the Father himself. He is our freedom God's word declares. He is our teacher. He's the revealer of truth. He is the guide. He's a reminder. He's a counselor. He's a convictor. He's an empowerment. He is a producer of God's fruit. He is peace. He is hope. He is enlightenment. He's the giver of gifts. He is our witness, church. That is who the Holy Spirit is. And I got chills all over me because it's like, man, God, you're amazing. Look at who he is. Don't you think the Holy Spirit is important enough for us to know all that? Because if he does all that in us, I need that. I need all of that. And the only way I'm going to need and know how to do anything with all of that is to simply learn to say yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit himself. It happens in the heart. This is where he works. This is where he lives inside of us. But he only lives in us if we receive Christ as Savior and baptized in the faith. God's word says this, and filled with the Holy Spirit, now I have the ability to live and do the right thing. Okay, we're going to read some more scripture here. 1 Corinthians 6, you ready? Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Did you realize that? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. Don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. So just for your benefit today, as we look at God's word, this is going to be true sexual education 101 for everyone here. You online and everybody in the house. See, one of the things you've never been taught by the church, and definitely not in the public school's sex education program or anyplace else, is that sex is spiritual. 
is very spiritual. See, sex was given by God before sin ever entered the world, and it was made holy and pure and beautiful by God himself. That is why when you look into the scriptures in the very beginning when he made Adam and Eve and he brought Eve to Adam, it says that Adam knew his wife, the knowing, like the coming together. And God said the two became one flesh. See, there's a spiritual union that takes place when a man and a woman come together. And it only happens when God is blessing that union that it is holy and pure. And when it's outside of God's boundaries, then it's not holy and pure. And now it becomes lust and brokenness. And so when the Word of God, what it tells us is, you see, like if he's using the illustration that if a man of God goes to a prostitute or just goes and sleeps with someone, don't you realize that you are the body of Christ and now you're engaging in a sinful act? How can that be? Christ would not join himself like that. And so now we have a bunch of people in the Christian community who think they can just sleep with whoever and have sex whenever they want to with anybody they want to. But yet God's word teaches something very contrary to that. So the problem is, see, is that we're justifying our flesh by what we lust after and want instead of submitting to what God says to us. And so I don't want anybody to applaud at this or anything, please. I mean this totally respectfully. And we need to look at what God's word says because, see, what's going on in our world around us is this corruption of the sexual aspect of life is something that the enemy has taken and twisted and is trying to destroy because there's more truth we're going to read in the word of God that will reveal this truth to us. But, see, any sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage is sin. And the covenant of marriage is between a man and a woman as God ordained. Now, again, I don't, I'm not, I, I want you to hear this because it's God's word. Now, listen to what it says. See, when, when we engage in something outside of that, then he's saying, you're taking the body of Christ that lives in you, the Holy Spirit himself, and you're engaging in something that is sinful. God doesn't sin. God does not sin, church. So if God is in you, how could you do such a thing? Let's read what God's word does say. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united in one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Oh, you see what he's saying? He's like, oh, if you're a child of God, then now your unity is with God in the sense that you are one with him. Therefore, now your life must be lived in union with him. Let's keep reading. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. See what I mean? See, there's these consequences that nobody's ever talked about. A lot of parents are uncomfortable even talking about sex to their kids. And the church, I mean, seriously, I grew up in the church. I don't know that I, in my childhood I ever heard the word sex from the pulpit. I mean, seriously, it's like, you know, like, it's almost like it's a dirty word. It's not. It's a holy thing. But it's been perverted to the point where we're uncomfortable and it's been all jacked up. And so as I look in the word of God and it says this to us, it's like sexual sin is like no other sin. Whew, I think we should stop for a moment and pay attention to that. Because you see, it says it clearly affects the body. So it does something to me. When I do something sexual outside of God's boundaries, something happens to me. Do you know what happens to me? 
I'm broken. I'm empty. I'm unfulfilled. I have no self-worth. And when some violates someone else, they take that and they try and destroy what is you and who God made you. And they violate that very thing that God intended to be protected in you. The devil is the one that's behind all that that is evil and messed up in this stuff. As I look in the word of God and he's saying no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Come on, man. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Man, come on. What we do in our bodies matters. So let's not just talk about sex. Let's talk about everything else that we do wrong when the Spirit of God is trying to reveal truth to us. When we're gossiping, when we're talking about people, when we're saying things we shouldn't say, when we're places we shouldn't be, when we're doing what we shouldn't be doing, you know all this stuff because the Holy Spirit's the one that's telling you, don't go there, don't say that, don't do that, don't do this, because the Spirit's prompting you to stay in obedience to God and live a life that is called according to the Scriptures and what Jesus died to give to us. That powerful God is saying, I'm bigger than that, don't go there. And when we ignore the Spirit of God inside of us and we go do it anyway, that's called sin. And the Word of God says that Christ doesn't go do that. Hmm. So what we do in our bodies matters. You just can't go on sinning and doing your own thing if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, can you? I mean, that's what the Word of God just said. See, because God does not sin. God does not sin. It's crazy to me. Like, sometimes I think, I wonder if people think... um, when we go off the rails and we disobey the Spirit and we go do this thing, like if God just kind of closes his eyes or something, like it's okay. We justified, let's just say, jumping in the sack with someone because our flesh calling us and desiring this, and we think like God's just like, okay, well, I'll be back in a minute, and, we, and he leaves. He doesn't. He knows us. But the Holy Spirit will not be involved in that activity because he knows that there is a union that's happening. And, and man, church, I'm telling you that there's so many people that have been united with so many other people. That's why they're so discombobulated and broken because they haven't found any healing for themselves. They think giving themselves to someone else is going to make them feel better. And the one you have to give yourself to is God. And he's the only one that can put you back together and heal you and help you understand what a true relationship with him and with another human being would look like. Because God himself is love and there's no place you'll ever experience it outside of him. Period. No matter what the world tells you. You can't experience it anywhere else than outside of him. No way. So, God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel. This again, let's I love how God's word affirms things and who he is and what he does. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, before Pentecost, before any of that stuff happened, the prophet Ezekiel was speaking by the power of God a message. And it's found in Ezekiel 36. And this is its beautiful. I'm going to read it to you. Starting in verse 25. This is God speaking through the prophet about what he's going to do. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. 
pause. I'm going to keep reading, but you all know, if you've been around, you already know I'm going to do this. So just let's deal with this right here. See, what God's talking about is he's going to do something amazing in the future about our relationship with him and who his people are. So what God starts off with is he's like, I'm going to wash you and make you clean. I'm going to sprinkle you with water. You're going to be made clean. But see, what he's telling us is this. And once you're washed away and that filth is gone, you will no longer worship idols. Oh, so now once you have this experience with God, you're going to live in obedience to him and for him. That's the change that he's talking about. Let's keep going and see what else he says. And you will no longer worship idols. And you, and I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Isn't that awesome? God's like, man, I already know that you are hardened, broken, bitter, lost people. And I have a plan. I'm going to do a little heart transplant. Pull that stone out of you and I'm going to give you something that I actually can feel experience and know God's going to do this. This is a transformation that he does and he said he was going to do it. Now listen what he's going. I'm going to take out that stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Yeah, see it's the only way it can happen but it's necessary and must happen. He was talking about the day that the Holy Spirit would come inside of the believers, that we would have a new and transforming work that God would do in us, and we'd be able to actually live the life he's called us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us as he reveals and shows and teaches and guides and blesses and empowers and strengthens and does everything that God said he would do. Isn't that awesome? So it's like God's like, I got you. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to make you right. I'm going to help you live this life. With a helper, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> a responsive, obedient heart is what God is always after. <laughs> Our sinful heart is naturally drawn, naturally drawn to do the wrong. And it's a slave of sin. But see, then now our new heart, that transformational moment when Christ is our Savior and we are committed to God and the Spirit of God is in us, see, now our heart is changed and we're drawn to do the things of God. That's why it's so critical for you and I to know the Holy Spirit, experience what he is saying to us, and be obedient to it. He is drawing us closer to God and to the things of righteousness. So we must begin to discern and act in obedience to what he's telling us, church. Romans chapter 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. It's black and white. He's like, you're in, you're out. You're living it or you're not. You're saved or you're lost. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. Come on, man, it's that simple. 
It's living in obedience to the spirit that God has placed in us. Stop living for your flesh. Start living for the spirit. And when you be obedient to the Holy Spirit, then God can bless you and take you where you can never go on your own. He's amazing God, isn't he? Yeah. What are you following? And who is in control of you? It's right there. It's one or the other. 1 Corinthians 2. These are, I think, are our last verses, and we'll be getting out of here. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is, why the scripture, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So what's happening right here is a quote from Scripture saying, you know, nobody can comprehend what God has planned, right? So I've heard this verse used at funerals. I've heard people talk about it like the wonders of heaven, the things that are out there in the future. Well, please stop for a second and listen how we put this into context. That is a quote from the Old Testament saying that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Guess what? You and I know have seen and have experienced what they never knew. Because you have to just keep reading the next verse, and then you'll understand it fully. So check it out. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. Hallelujah, man. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. God's not hiding anything from us, man. The Holy Spirit's available and God's revealing this incredible relationship he planned for us from the very beginning. And we're the ones that are the recipients of this. You know, we, I appreciate you guys applauding and getting excited about church and stuff and all that, and, but we should be way more than we are. I mean, when we look at that and it's like, ooh, man, God has revealed his secrets to us. He's like, I, I'm letting you know that this is my plan and this is my redemption for you, and I'm available to you. And it's like, wow, I mean, we should really totally be blown away. I mean, like in awe of God. But we're not done, so let's keep reading. For his spirit, that wasn't a rebuke to you. I'm saying I'm guilty too. It's like, man, we can't praise God enough or celebrate enough for what he's done for us. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. <laughs> when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Isn't that awesome? So you see, that's why when someone that's not a Christian comes to church and they're like looking at everything and they're like, wow, these people are nuts and that dude's crazy and I don't understand what's going on around here. Well, God's Word tells us the reason they don't get it is because they don't got it. But those that have got it, we get it. And since we get it, we should be celebrating what we have. Amen? I mean, yeah. And they should look at us and say, I want whatever those nuts got because I don't have that. 
so they can understand their need of Jesus. That's what we want them to know. There is an entire spiritual world that God wants to reveal to us by this incredible relationship made available through Jesus Christ. And there is nothing more important in life than that relationship. Nothing, period. And the world does think we're crazy because of that. And we will give our lives for that purpose and truth and meaning. And I will, and I have, and I surrender to God. Like, I trust you fully, God, no matter what. It's right. That is worth living and dying for. It is the truth of who God is, and I'm not worried about nothing else. He is amazing. It's time, church, that we hear, follow, and live the things that the Spirit of God is revealing and teaching. So here's your action steps. Have you repented of your sin, turned to God, and been baptized in your faith? Have you done that? If you haven't, it's time. Actually, we can do it right now if you want to repent and pray and turn. I'll baptize you. I got a tank right there. <laughs> not planned, not, not anything in line, but we'll do it. If you're ready to do that, we're ready to do that. The second thing is, are you following the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you, church? The Spirit of God is calling. The altar's open. Would you come? Whatever it is the Holy Spirit is prompting you about, stirring in your heart, leading, enlightening, whatever he's been talking to you about, it's time to deal with it. It's time. Would you stand with me? Now, when we ask you to come to the altar, explain to you, you can walk up right here and talk to God. You can talk to him there. I know that. But I believe that there's something powerful and impacting when we actually take a step forward and we begin to deal with God and let him deal with us. Holy Spirit, you are such an incredible gift. I couldn't do this without you. No way. I need you. I need you desperately. Thank you for conviction. Thank you for empowerment. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for affirmation, for peace, for hope, for joy, for all that you do in us. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here before you. For a fresh outpouring of your spirit, God. A fresh outpouring of your spirit. You need it in your church. We need it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you for being here today in church. God bless you. And you're dismissed. But if you want to hang out and pray a little longer, if you need to do some business with God, these that are at the altar, we want to respect what they're doing. Let's just be mindful of the Holy Spirit. God bless you today. Thank you so much for joining us.